Hello, welcome back to Coffee with a Calvinist. This is a daily conversation about scripture, culture, and media from a Reformed perspective. Get your Bible and coffee ready and prepare to engage today's topic. Here's your host, Pastor Keith Foskey. Welcome back to Coffee with a Calvinist. My name is Keith Foskey, and I am a Calvinist. Today, we are back with another episode of the Caffeinated Calvinist Roundtable with myself, Sam Brown, and Richard Roden, and we're going to continue the conversation we began on the show yesterday. We are talking about three things that we think are issues, problems uh, in the modern church, uh, particularly things that we have seen ourselves and things that we are concerned about and things we want to see if you're concerned about as a listener. We want you to join in with the conversation. So if you have a question or a comment, we would encourage you to send those questions or comments to our email address, calvinistpodcast at gmail.com. Again, that's calvinistpodcast at gmail.com. Or you can, if you are watching this or listening to this on YouTube or Facebook, you can always comment there and we will see those comments as well. So again, we are here today with Sam and Richard. How are you guys doing today? Outstanding. In the the words of the inimitable Mrs. Doubtfire, hello! (laughs) I always wonder what inimitable means, and I'm not sure I've ever said it correctly, but we'll move on. I think it's in... Inimitable. Inimitable. That's what I said. I I think I said inedible, but we'll. (laughs) She's definitely inedible too. I believe inimitable means not to be imitated. Oh, okay. There we see. Look at there. We and we're all learning today. You're welcome. Yeah. All right. Well, yesterday on yesterday's program, we started. Each of us has given three things that we think are concerns, issues, problems with the modern church. Uh, The first one that we did yesterday. You can always go back and listen to it. Uh, Sam talked about people who think that they are good by nature. Richard talked about people who have a misunderstanding of the doctrine of hell, particularly people who think hell is just being separated from God, and uh, or, or that's what that means. And of course, I talked about ignorance of basic biblical categories, and I went on to my number two, which is being satisfied with ignorance, which I think is always a bad thing. But today we're going to move on to our number two pick, and the number two pick for Sam is that people who think we all worship the same God, and I'm sure the three of us will have some things to opine about that. Richard said his concern for number two is free will. And since, like I said, I didn't have a, uh, or I've already done my second one, that'll make today's episode a little shorter, but that's fine. We're going to get on to Sam's number two choice. We all worship the same God. Can you explain what you mean by that, Sam? And then we'll be able to share some thoughts. Sure. First thought is concerned that this may be a shorter show. I don't know, because I got a lot to say about this topic. So we shall see. Um, Yeah. So, so the Pope, Kami the second I don't really remember his name but he said that we all worship the same God Muslims Jews you know we all worship the same God and but you think my, you're talking about Frankie the hippie Pope Pope the current Kami, hippie yeah, yeah he, he Pope Kami the second I call him <laughs> okay all right um but um yeah so uh not that I usually agree with the Pope anyway on a lot of things but um uh yeah. He really gets that one wrong. And maybe I'm just such an extremist because whenever I talk to fellow Christians, I'm like, I don't even think we worship the same God sometimes because their God is awfully small. You know, my God is a big God. He is a powerful God. He's a sovereign God in all things. So um, 
and I, and it's, and it's so ridiculous because again, I'm constantly going through a mental training of trying to, uh, being a lifelong God hater and now trying to be a God lover. Um, uh, I, I have a lot to overcome. So I'm consistently challenging myself, which of course then becomes a little more, um, pugilistic when I'm dealing with, with other people. Um, so, so again, whenever people say, uh, um, you know, we all worship the same God, I don't even think I worship the same God as most other Christians I know, let alone Muslims or Jehovah's Witnesses or, or, or Catholics, you know, um, even though I know it's the same God with Catholics, um, there are some very distinct differences, especially in, sa in salvific um, questions. So, uh, yeah, I'm sorry, I've sort of bantered here for uh, no, uh, no, you're fine. I, I get what you're, I, I'm picking up what you are putting down. Uh, so, um, yeah. So anyway, so I'll let Richard riff a little bit, but I'm sure I'll, I'll blurt out some more stuff here. Richard, tear it up. <laughs> well, I've, uh, I've actually encountered this a couple of times um, on my little Debbie route. Uh, there was an instance where um, there was a fella that ran one of the uh, convenience stores that I serviced. And this was four or five, six years ago. He, he's no longer uh, runs that store. I don't have that account. It got shut down, but he was a devout Muslim. However, um, and he come from Muslim background. He was, uh, his family from overseas immigrated here, uh, before he was born. He grew up here, but he still spoke the native language and all that. And his father was a devout Muslim to the point where I actually came in one day and I saw him reading a pocket new Testament, like the new Testament in Psalms. And, um, I knew he was Muslim. So I asked him, you know, to start a conversation, why are you reading this? And, what's uh, up, guy? Yeah, really. Yeah, what, so why, what's, what's turned you on to this? And, of course, he brought in the fact that there's cross-references between the Quran and the Old and the New Test and the Old Testament and all that. So he wanted to read some of the New Testament. He said, but if my father comes in here, which he frequented in the store quite a bit, don't tell him I have this because he would literally pull, like, the death card it's, you know, it's punishable by death to be reading the infidels book, you know, that kind of thing. So anyhow, there was one, we went on for weeks and weeks. I'd spend about an hour a week with him talking, trying to witness to him and, and explain to him uh, the differences between the two and trying, trying to bring him to Christ. And one day we were having a conversation and there was another fellow in the store and he happened to be Job's witness. And he starts talking about how we all worship the same God. And the minute he said that, both me and Sam, who was or Sal, the, the, the Muslim owner, both me and him at the same time said, we absolutely do not. <laughs> we understood that, but he didn't. Um, and he was actually taken aback by the fact that we didn't agree with him, that we all worship the same God. And <laughs> both me and Sal had explained to him the differences between the Christian God and Allah, because Allah being... 100% monotheistic in the sense of he's just one, he's Unitarian, whereas we are Trinitarian in our beliefs. And then, of course, I'm trying to witness to the Jehovah's Witness and the Muslim at the same time because both of them are wrong. But I've run into the idea that people would believe we worship the same God. And I've seen it again. There's Jehovah's Witnesses all over my route. And there's another store that is owned by some um, some, uh, some some Arabs, I guess, or whatever, but there's another country, but they're all Muslim as well. And there was a lady in there and she did the same thing. She was talking to these fellows about Christianity and she said, but it's okay, darling, because we all worship the same God. And he's like, no, we don't. No, we don't. So it's, it's common among Jehovah's Witnesses to kind of lump everybody into the same 
uh, grouping that I've noticed. So, yeah, there's a there's a definite belief out there that we all worship the same one. We've seen Oprah do this. Oprah kind of brings this up, and the only reason Oprah comes to mind because we've been watching American Gospel at the at the church for the last couple of Wednesday nights, and she's she's on there a couple of times with Joel Osteen. But there is this common <laughs> belief that we all worship the same God. All roads lead to God, whether you're Muslim, Hindu, Buddhist, whatever. God's just made it where it doesn't matter where you land, you're all going to get there. And that is absolutely incorrect and uh, and very dangerous. So anyhow, I'll, I'll quit riffing and give you a shot there, Keith. Well, for a moment, I want to, uh, and, and I hate the phrase devil's advocate because I would never advocate for my enemy, the, 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 the enemy of mankind, but for a moment, going to, no, I'm not. (laughs) I'm, I, I got to find a better way of saying it for a moment. I want to uh, pretend that I were on the other side. Maybe that's the better way of saying it. I, I can, um, I can at least from, for, from the perspective of uh, a human perspective, understand why people arrive at this conclusion, even though it's a vastly wrong conclusion and a dangerously wrong conclusion. I can understand why someone would say that all religions are trying to do the same thing. They're all trying to be good. They're all trying to satisfy some deity. They're all trying to reach the top of the mountain. They're just all going by different routes, but they're all headed to the same direction. I, I, um, I've been exposed to this on many occasions by people who genuinely believe that if we all would just agree on what we agree on, then everything would be fine and just give up what we disagree on. And so if we all agree there's a higher power, who cares what his name is? If we all agree there is a uh, a standard of morality, who cares who wrote it? I'm not, again, I see both of your faces. The audience can't see your faces, but both of your faces look very upset with me right now. Shock so, and horror. So, I'm, I'm finding it hard to hide my shock and horror at the words tumbling I'm, out of your a- ample pink lips. And I'm going, hang on a second. Okay, first of all, let's back up that ample conversation. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so my point being, I, I know how they get there because it's a way to try to, uh, to try to satisfy all of the divisions. And I know this, there are people who believe that different denominations are actually different religions. Um, uh, people will say, well, well, Sam's a Presbyterian and I'm a Baptist, therefore we're different religions. And that is a, a big mistake in categories as well. Um, in fact, if, I don't know if you guys ever watched The Office, there was an episode of The Office where they were asking what churches the people go to in the office, and, the, and, the, and the, one of the guys says, well, I'm a Presbyterian, and one of the other lady goes, I am too, we're the same religion, as if Presbyterian is its own religion versus Christianity as a whole being represented by Presbyterians and Baptists and, and whatever. And, well, and I, we, and it, we are a little different somehow. Well, <laughs> Well, I was going to say, Sam would probably say yeah, his, his, he has the best of the best. He would, he would, he would want to argue that. But my, my point is simply this. I think, I think this is a huge category error when people start to think about just God in general and the idea that um, 
well, we all worship the same God. And as Sam said, not even all Christians are worshiping the same God. Uh, but I see how people get there because there's such a lack of category distinctions. There, there's, a, there's a lack of willingness to say, when I talk about a Trinitarian God, that is different than when I talk about a Unitarian God. See, mm-hmm. see, see to, a, to an atheist or somebody who claims to be an atheist, I don't think atheists actually exist, but people who claim, they wouldn't even think that such a category would have any meaning at all. And therefore, the idea that I can say Trinitarianism is different than Unitarian, they would say, well, that doesn't even matter. You know, and we know that it does. And so I do think this, going back to what I said yesterday on yesterday's program, I do think this is, this is a, a further demonstration of the ignorance of basic biblical categories. And if it is the, as R.C. Sproul says, if it is the woman's prerogative to change her mind, then it is the theologian's prerogative to use categories. <laughs> yeah, we, we, we are all about creating categories and thinking in categories. You know, the whole idea of the Trinity is one God in three persons, one being three persons. Therefore we create categories to understand these things. And I can, um, I can see that the world has flattened everything out so basically that people are no longer willing to think in categories. And I think that's where we get to, well, you're all worshiping the same God because he's powerful. He's made everything. He's controls everything. Therefore it's all the same. And so it's, it's a, it's an oversimplification of what everybody believes. So I think you really hit on, go ahead. Go ahead. Go, ahead. go no, Richard, please go ahead. Um, well, I was just thinking while you were talking, um, things have changed to some degree, uh, right now, because there's such an attitude of inclusivity, no one wants to say anybody else is wrong because that's being hateful or bigoted or whatever. That's the culture we live in. And I'm just kind of pointing out the culture, but there was a time when, um, gods were separated. Think about Paul and Acts. When he, you know, spoke about the unknown God, he sees all these gods, but then they have the altar to the unknown God because they wanted to make sure they include everybody, but they worship each one of them. They made distinctions between gods back in the day. Uh, they didn't, they knew they weren't, they weren't taking the stand that we worship all the same God. It's different gods. But at, now we're at this point where everybody's worshiping the same God. So to a degree, some has changed. I think a lot of it has to do with culture because we have this inclusivity that everybody's right. Nobody can be wrong. We don't want to offend anybody, that kind of attitude. But there was a time where there was distinctions made between the gods and, and Paul had to point out that all these are false and there's only one true God as he preached to those in uh, the book of Acts while he was uh, waiting uh, for, I can't remember the text to save my life right now, but you know where I'm going with that Keith and Sam and hopefully listener will too. But uh, but we've reached this point now where it's yes, there's there's this idea that we're all worshiping the same. Go ahead, Sam, with your thought before you lose it. 
Oh, so no. I'm wrong about that. <laughs> Just two quick points. So I think Keith really hit on something um, when he said that um, we are incapable of thinking in categories. And, and I frequently take this a step further. And I think on the last show, Richard referenced uh, one of the great minds who frequently says that our knowledge is, is a mile wide and an inch deep, because that's something that I frequently say. So he probably heard me say that. And he said, he said that's the great mind who frequently <laughs> says these things. So, um, but, but really, it is the truth. Our knowledge um, of God, our knowledge of, of everything is a mile wide and an inch deep. We don't think in categories. We don't think f- philosophically. We don't, we don't understand the root of epistemology, right? We, we are incapable of being real thinkers in this day and age. Uh, and um, I remember seeing an, an eighth grade um, history test from like the 1860s. And it was, um, it, there was a section on, um, not, not the eighth grade history test, but it was uh, some eighth grade tests from the, the 1860s. And they had to write things in Greek. Um, they had to write a 1500 word essay in an eighth grade uh, test. So it was like, we've, we've been dumbed down over the years so much um, that again, our, our, our knowledge base on everything is a mile wide and an inch deep. But I'm going to put this to bed right now by saying, I ch- I've changed my mind. We all do worship the same God, and that God is ourselves. Amen. Boom. Yeah. This conversation is over. Uh, I, 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 uh, I do want to I, I wanna throw out one additional thought before we move on to the next thing. Uh, one of the things that you can introduce in a conversation if you are talking to a Muslim or a Jew uh, is the idea that all of the three great monotheistic religions, I say great, I shouldn't say Islam or Judaism is great without Christ. So let me back that up. Three largest monotheistic religions um, is that all three believe, or at least they all claim to be worshiping the God of Abraham. And so the question that we need to discern between Islam, Judaism, and Christianity is which one truly is worshiping the God of Abraham. And Jesus is the one who said, Abraham longed to see my day. He saw it and was, you know, that, that, that tells us Jesus is the object of Abraham's faith. And therefore it's the Christian who is truly worshiping the God of Abraham. But uh, I wrote a paper when I was in, uh, in university that said, uh, it was called three religions, one God. And I wasn't arguing that all three worship the same God, but what I wrote in the paper was that all three claim to worship the God of Abraham. And uh, only one has true claim to that, to that reality. So just a thought. All right, we're going to move on now to question two uh, on Richard. And this one is a hot button topic uh, for anybody who has ever had a conversation with a Calvinist, non-Calvinist situation. And that is the question of free will. Now, Richard, if you would like to opine or share with us what you mean by that, we'll go from there. Well, I know given this is a Calvinist podcast that you've been doing for what about a year now? You doggone right. (laughs) So uh, the subject of free will has come up uh, more than once, I'm sure. But you, so I may be beating a dead horse, but you, um, you asked me, you asked us to, to come up with common misunderstandings in the church. And I'll use your vernacular for a moment, Keith, this bees one. This <laughs> <laughs> uh, so, certainly bees one. Right. So most of the time when I encounter this issue, uh, 
it always centers around a conversation concerning either predestination, election, and then ultimately our inability to choose God as stated in Romans 3. Um, and while most people that I talk to here lately uh, will affirm to some degree predestination and election, uh, when it comes to our inability to choose God, the first thing out of their mouth always seems to be is, well, what about free will? I mean, that's where it always boils down to. So the misunderstanding concerning free will that I've found is that people don't fully understand the nature, our nature after the fall. I think that's where the problem comes in. Um, and that could go back to what we were just talking about, a, a lack of, of thinking deeply on a subject, just hitting the surface level and not going further. But people don't fully understand our nature after the fall. They seem to have this idea that if we don't have full free will, then um, we must be robots or puppets and God simply pulling the strings or winding the toy up, whatever illustration you want to use. But they can't seem to grasp that our wills are free only to a degree, but not in entirety. By nature, there are things that we just can't do because of the sinful nature we inherited from Adam. So what I try to do is this, and of course I borrow this from, from other men, this isn't original with me, but I begin by telling them that the only two people ever created to have genuine free will would be Adam and Eve. Uh, they were created holy and righteous before God and without sin. So they were as perfect as any human being could be before Christ. However, Adam fell. You know, Adam fell and he sinned against God by eating the forbidden fruit. And in that instant, sin entered into the world, not only affecting Adam and Eve, it's something else people seem to forget, but also all of creation. Uh, sin, the act of Adam and Eve eating up the fruit is a universal, has universal consequences in the sense of all of creation is under the groans under the burden of sin. So because of the original sin of Adam, every person born after them was born in a state of sin and misery. And we now lack the moral ability to come to God on our own. Our will is free up to a point because it's bound by sin. And the one thing our sin makes us incapable of doing is seeking after God. So I want a certain illustration that kind of brings this point home. And it is this, I, as a human being cannot fly. Now that won't stop me from driving into Jacksonville, going to the top of Danks point bridge and hurling myself off of it in an attempt to fly. However, I'll find out very quickly. My nature doesn't support that. And uh, I'll understand that as I plummet very quickly to the river, like a stone. <laughs> so it's, the, it's the same with coming to God. When Adam fell, he died spiritually. We therefore born spiritually dead ourselves. We have inherited that from him. Ephesians 2 again makes this clear when it says we're dead in our trespasses and sins. So we're completely morally incapable of coming to God on our own. Our sinful nature will not allow it. However, as Ephesians 2 also tells us, and we talked about this, I think some in the last episode, God has made us alive together with Christ. Um, so God having taken the initiative in eternity past, chose us in him before the foundation of the world. And predestined us to adoption as sons in Christ. God chose us first because we are incapable of choosing him. And then when that appointed time of salvation comes, it's then that we're regenerated, made alive together with Christ so that we can taste and see that Christ is good. And we come to him through repentance and faith. Our will is bound by sin, but Christ, God and his grace has unbound our will through the blood of Christ so we can be reconciled to him. So the question is, why is this necessarily a problem in the church? Because if our wills are totally free, then our salvation depends on us to accept it and keep it. Um, it's no longer by grace alone, through faith alone, and Christ alone. God now becomes dependent on me to make Christ's sacrifice effective. Um, 
thus making salvation a works-based salvation initiated by God, but completed by man. And see, in that scenario, God's no longer sovereign, and in my opinion, frankly, weak. And this comes in direct contradiction to the teachings of Scripture. It can actually lead down dangerous roads. That would be why a misunderstanding here can create problems within the church because it lends itself to a works-based salvation because if we're free to do whatever and our sinful nature doesn't impede us from coming to Christ, then God has just made salvation possible, not complete. Um, so unless I've gone off the rails somewhere here, uh, you can correct me if I'm wrong, but that's, uh, that's what I think is a, a serious problem within the church. All right, Sam, you want to add any thoughts? Yeah. So I, th I think that, um, bolstering uh, the point that we made earlier as being unable to think in categories is really the issue, uh, once again, with free will. So a lot of people think that if we have free will, then um, we can't also be predestined for things. And that's a category error, right? Um, and and there's two explanations that, that we can look at that people will say, well, if we don't have free will, then we're just puppets on a string, right? We're just uh, Pinocchio and uh, Geppetto, right? Being moved around. I got no strings on me. Exactly. <laughs> Uh, which, by the way, when they used that in the Avengers Age of Ultron, I thought was one of the greatest um, uh, scenes in, in any movie ever. Uh, but, I, but I digress. And then the other one is, um, so people will say, well, you're just a puppet if you are predestined and you don't have free will. But both can be true. And, and both analogies fail, but I prefer this analogy to that. Whenever um, William Shakespeare wrote Hamlet, were the words that Hamlet speaking, were those Hamlet's words or were they Shakespeare's words? They were both, right? So, so they were the words of Hamlet 100% of the time, but they were also the words of Shakespeare 100% of the time. So the idea that, that we can't have free will and also be foreordained by God is a category error in thinking. And, and because we're not able to, uh, to understand uh, philosophically the difference in that God isn't trapped by the trappings of creation, right? He created creation. He existed before creation. So our free will is not, uh, um, he, his, his for or his coordination is not bound by our free will right so so we make we were created as free moral beings so we can make free moral choices but that doesn't mean that god did not foreordain that amen did are you good i, yeah. I don't want i don't want to okay i don't want to jump in and and uh and overstep i just ran out of steam so no, 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 it's fine. I, 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 I'm making sure the pause was uh, to move on. Uh, you know, on this subject, I have, uh, I have had several conversations and even very recently interviewed a young man on the program. Uh, and he, he, he's not a Calvinist. So I invited him on the program to ask questions. And this was the heart of that of the questions that he asked. So my, my encouragement would be if you do have questions on this issue and you want to go further than what Richard or Sam has said, uh, I have an hour and a half worth of being asked direct questions about will and determination that was just last week posted. It's under questions from a non-Calvinist. So uh, if you want to go back and listen to more of a uh, 
treatment on this from me, you can do that. But I, I would simply say, I think, I think uh, Sam's point about categories is important. I think what Richard said about understanding the nature uh, as having been different after the fall. Um, I would, I, I would, I would agree to an, to a, a point with you, Richard, about Adam prior to the fall as I, I still don't use the term free will even prior to the fall, even though I understand where you're coming from. I don't, I'm not disagreeing on a, on a, on a huge level. I think, I think the, the categories of, of possibility are, are always from our perspective. And so from, from God's perspective, the fall was ordained before the foundation of the world. So, so when we talk about the subject of determined versus not determined from our perspective, you know, it's like I said in my conversation last week, if, if, if I get, if, if I am going to say something stupid tomorrow, which is very likely, 100%. Uh, God knows for certain whether or not I will. And therefore for him, it, the, the determination of it is not up for question. But for my perspective, I have a, a choice and I'm going to make that choice whether to say the stupid thing or not. And so therefore we do have to look at determination and will from two perspectives, from the perspective of the actor, that being the human being. And the perspective of the perspective of the creator, the sovereign one, uh, you know, and, and so from from Adam's perspective, he was the only one not bound by a nature of sin. I would say that uh, in that regard, and and in that sense, the freest of the free wills. So I, again, don't don't take that as a criticism. I'm just oh, I'm, when I, I'm not. Well, let me let me clarify where I was going with that. I was using that illustration because that's what was used for me to help me better understand the subject sure. when I was anti-Calvinist. Yeah. Um, I'm, uh, when brother Andy came to our church initially and it, I wasn't a Calvinist and, and he had lunch with me and that's the illustration. Shout out for to me. brother Andy Smith. Of, right. Uh, Christ, <laughs> Christ Reformed Church. Community church. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Okay. He, uh, that was the illustration he gave to me. And that's why I was saying that that was as a starting point for someone that sure. just kind of helps them. Yeah. Because getting into determination and stuff with someone who's still on milk and not on meat kind of gets a little deep. Yeah, so, we, 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 we can't go all the way to posse picari, posse non picari, and then uh, non posse non picari right off the gate because you might scare somebody away. I don't know. <laughs> I, listen, I don't know what you guys are talking about. Whenever Richard first said free will, I was thinking about the seminal 1993 classic film where Jesse, a troubled 12-year-old boy who was abandoned by his estranged mother, six years before was caught by police for stealing food and vandalizing a theme park. On, on the night of his arrest, he encountered Willie, an orca whale. In oh, free Willie. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> So I was sitting there the whole time Richard wow. was talking. I'm like, what does this have to do with that amazing family film? Oh, my goodness. Oh, my okay. goodness. Well, ladies and gentlemen, so, I think that's brought us to the end of today. And we <laughs> this have, conversation is over. We have challenged some very important presuppositions today that we all worship the same God, which we do not, and that we all function on the basis of a free will, which we certainly do not because our will is bound in sin and so our wills are certain, our natures rather, are certainly uh, not free. 
Christ says you're either a slave to sin or you are a slave to righteousness. He never says you are free. So thank you, uh, gentlemen, for joining me. And I look forward to tomorrow's program where we finish up these three questions. Thank you, listener, for joining us. And if you have additional questions, you may send them in to calvinistpodcast at gmail.com. Thank you for listening to Coffee with a Calvinist. My name is Keith Fosky, and I've been your Calvinist. May God bless you. Thank you for listening to today's episode of Coffee with the Calvinist. If you enjoyed the program, please take a moment to subscribe and provide us feedback. We love to receive your comments and questions and may even engage with them in a future episode. As you go about your day, remember this. Jesus Christ came to save sinners. All who come to Him in repentance and faith will find Him to be a perfect Savior. He is the way, the truth, and the life, and no one comes to the Father except through Him. May God be with you.